welcome back. Junior, senior, two views is on. It's Friday. It's July 14th, 2023. Uh, it feels like we've been a long time since we talked. It was mm-hmm. a, over a week ago. We had Joe to block content on, so we appreciate him for showing up. And let's get into the third and final game of the dreaded State of Origin series. Yeah. And uh, it looks like the Blues held pride. It was yeah. all about pride, wasn't it? Look, it ended on a bittersweet note. Uh New South Wales got the win. Their offense was a whole lot better than the, the first two games. And I think the ground zero uh, um, reason as to why their attack was a lot better was the fact that they made changes. They finally started Damian Cook, which I was screaming at them to do this entire series. Uh, Walker came in the side and played fantastically. And they made changes to the back line. Bradman Best on debut got two. I mean, it was just a much better performance and a much more, uh, a, a team that played with a lot of urgency, and so they should have played with a lot of urgency. They didn't want to be the first team in set of origin history since 2010 to be swept at home, mind you. So, and the last time that happened um, in 2010, it was at home. So thank God that didn't happen. Um, but right now for the Blues, there's a lot of speculation around whether Brad Fittler will return as head coach. Um, I don't, I think, I feel like he resigns. If he does end up returning, I think this will, next series will be his last chance, period. I feel like New South Wales RL might be pivoting in the direction of keeping him for one more year and seeing what he has and changing up the selection tactics in terms, and there's even more storylines to come out of it. What do you do with the halves pairing? Moses and Walker played really well, really well in game three. Uh, Moses has shown that he's state of origin caliber. Uh, Walker is still probably top three best five apes in football right now. Um, but I just feel like, what do you do now? You have a litany of selections to go if you have to see what works and what doesn't. But there's there can only be so many guys you pick and stick. So they've got some big decisions to make in the coming year uh, about who they select, who they put on the back burner, what prospects do they take, who do they take in the squad? All right, so what I gleaned from game three was very simple. New South Wales didn't want to get swept, so they played with everything they could. They played with energy, they played with razzle-dazzle, there was a try by Josh Adokar that was phenomenal. There was a lot of pride on the line, get that. Um, I think Queensland, the Maroons saw it as, well, we already won the series. Maybe they weren't coming in with as much gusto and as much confidence, uh, but it showed. And so I would say for this for this game, as I said before, this is about playing for pride. Now, if you're looking forward, uh, you're right. Uh, Fitler shook up, shook up the entire roster for the most part. Uh, but now you have to think very carefully. You know, Cody Walker played well. He's played better. He starts over Luai next year. But he year. played better than Jerome Luai. He starts over... break up the Penrith connection? Because then it's going to be I feel like with, I feel like so. it's... I could definitely see... If Cleary's healthy, he takes the number seven spot. Um, yeah, Moses is amazing. And I think he's the, the... I think my opinion is that Cleary will probably take the number seven spot. But you have to get rid of Luai. He's a good player. He's not suited for origin. He does not know what it takes... He doesn't, and this is me talking as an armchair, <laughs> but he cannot, he, he just, he loses his mind in origin. He doesn't make great plays. He, yeah, he's gotten a couple tries and a couple try assists, but he's just, there's something, he gets in his own head and he's not all the way there. Walker has 
fantastic anticipation and calms himself and plays decent every time he steps out there for New South Wales. I haven't seen him have a bad game for New South Wales once. So I think you start Walker next year if he's healthy. We'll see what happens. I think the, the key is Fittler, whether or not he decides. And it might not be the decision for him. He might decide to walk away or... Well, he uh, looked exasperated well, in game three. Or it's either that or you know the, the powers that be decide, okay, it's time to, to switch gears and we'll see what happens next. Well, right. who do they... If, Hypothetically speaking, if he does get fired, who they bring in next? Someone on the staff. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll just go from within. Similar to how Billy Slater ascended into the role, he was sort of sitting on the sidelines as a commentator. Well, who is it then? Is it? I don't, I don't think it's Joey. I really don't. He's in the coaching staff, but I don't think it's him. Maybe uh, someone like Beaver. We'll see. Someone like Steve Menzies. We'll see. Maybe. We'll, just have, to wait and see. we'll right. have to wait and see. Yeah. My question to you, yep. big, bigger impact for the new team, uh, Kristaps Porzingis for the Celtics or Marcus Smart for the Grizz? Um, both are sort of marginal additions. Uh, I think the, so they are crucial additions, though. Uh, they are depth additions. Smart is definitely the guy who can lock up that, that, that locker room and say, and have be that veteran presence and say, get your head in order and play basketball. Because that's not that's what they weren't doing for this past season. He's definitely going to be a huge upgrade over Dylan Brooks. He's better defensively than Dylan Brooks. He's better offensively than yep. Dylan Brooks. Uh, Porzingis, uh, I think, is a is a good player. Uh, he's shown that he's he can be a a legit second third option on a contending team. He's shown that several times. I think he'll do better with the Celtics. Uh, they needed good. They they were missing uh, uh, size. size. So yeah. getting Porzingis is a good addition. I honestly think they're two pretty good uh, additions. I can't see one being better than the other. In well, the uh, yeah, I would say that one might be the the one for me that might be the better move is probably Marcus Smart to the Grizz because Marcus Smart has that street cred now. He goes from a from a team that you know were full of leaders. To a, a team that's young, uh, and the star player is not going to be playing for half the season because he's a moron, and they needed somebody that had sort of a, a more grown-up presence, and that's Marcus Smart. Um, <coughs> the Celtics, sorry, are going to miss him because they they missed that that presence. Yeah, they're going to miss. As him. for Pazingas, I I think that you're I think we agreed size was a big issue as to why he was signed. Um, yes, I think he could be that kind of player. I think injuries are going to be a big factor. Because yeah, he was injury free this season. Chris Stapps is always he gets injured. Chris Stapps has always struggled with injuries. Right. So, so if he can stay injury free this upcoming season, great. Last season he was fine, but it's amazing thing when you're playing on a really bad team like the Wizards, and then you know that eventually your time's going to be up. Yeah. And then you're ready to go. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that works out. All right. Moving on here, uh, encompassing the Celtics, should they sign Jalen Brown to a supermax contract? He wants a supermax. So, so let me just look at the. Let me just find a little blurb on this because this is one thing I saved a long time ago about Jalen Brown. Uh, he wants a five-year, two hundred and something million dollar max. He wants a lot. He yeah, he's looking for a lot of money. So it's a five-year, two ninety-five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am resigned to the fact that. I don't know where else he's going to get that money from. So where else are you going to get it from except a really, really bad team, maybe, that wants a bankroll? I think the Celtics may have – He's in his, this is his last season. Mm-hmm. This is it. So they have to either trade him or offer him an extension. I'm thinking if you're Brad – you know, former coach Brad, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. He's in the front office. Now. Right. Now he's in the front office, then you make a move because – 
there's always been an argument about can Jalen Ta- Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum coexist on the same team. I don't think they can. Okay. I well, think it's been. I think we've seen the footage over the past couple years. They can't coexist on the court. They can't do it. Jalen Brown did not show up in these playoffs. Uh, Tatum was inconsistent as always, but at least he put up good performances, but not in consecutive games, which was once again their biggest issue in the finals the previous season. Mm. Uh, but I think that. When it comes to Brown, he's just so he he disappears, man. He disappears in the big moments. I think he's a good player. Uh, is he a superstar? Absolutely not. Is he an all star level player? Yes, I believe he is definitely an all star level player. Okay. Um, but I don't know what team takes him on. You're gonna have to think about a team that has cap space uh, and has the assets to do it. I don't see the Thunder trading for him whatsoever. They have the assets and cap space to make that work, but why would they? That makes no sense for the Thunder. None. That makes no sense. They're, they've got a ton of young scorers, a ton of young guys they're trying to build around. That makes absolutely no sense for Oklahoma City. You think about the Spurs. I, they have cap space, maybe. They have assets to do it. They could, but I don't really see them doing that either. I think they want to, they want to build from within and get homegrown talent. Right. Uh, no. I don't know what any other team would have a but, ridiculous but, amount of free money to be able to afford what he wants. Again, that's the decision the Celtics got to make. You know, if they decide that his that he's worth trading by the trade deadline next season, then they might do that. Again, whoever team gets him would have to just sort of rent him and then decide whether not to extend him. Yeah, there. Well, well it's like. What I think the similar best, to Kawhi, I do believe that the best option for the Celtics would be to trade him. Uh, you're gonna get some decent value for him back, maybe two first rounders. I think the only gonna... issue with that is he's he's again he's you're trading him to not extend his contract. At the end of that next season, he's a, he's free to walk wherever he goes. Well, they either if you're they, that team moving to trade you, you do that. Either they play out the year or they get something back for him. They have to pick one or the other. They can't. They can't. Could they do a sign and trade? Could they? I don't know. I don't know what his. I don't know what his contract stipulates as far as what currently would happen now. I'm just saying, if you're the team that's, you have to be a contender who wants him, who thinks you're going to be. Well, that much I think. With I think any person with half a brain could realize this experiment doesn't work. Yeah. Celtic fans can tell you straight up, Tatum and Brown cannot coexist on the court. Brown did not show up for these entire playoffs. Not He did not have one efficient night of scoring. Not one. Okay, moving on. All right, moving uh, on. What was the real reason behind the Chris Paul trade to the Warriors? Uh, I don't think it was the punch. I think it's a lot deeper than that. I just think that Poole is... Uh, I, well, Paul, not Poole. Poole. No, I just, Chris Paul. No, I just... Got nothing to do with No, because Poole went the other way to yeah, the Wizards. Yeah, but... No, Paul went to the Wizards, but I'm talking about Paul going to the Warriors. Well, Paul, Remember, Paul, Paul, yeah. Paul to the Warriors. I don't really see much, much, um, much there other than matching contracts because you have to match salary, and Paul's contract was the biggest salary that that um that Phoenix were willing to give up in that trade to to uh, dump Paul's contract. But I just think that I the punch uh, obviously is a sticking point. And the fact that they chose Draymond over Poole is kind of interesting. But um, it's it's probably a mood thing. It's probably a vibe thing because the locker room did not seem... That's a veteran locker room. Uh, that obviously, they were going to side with Draymond. Yeah, but this is about Chris Paul. Forget about Jordan Poole. 
But it Forget went, about Jordan Poole. But when you're talking about, yeah, I understand it's Forget about it. Chris Paul, but that's the only, that's only what I see in this trade. Okay. Because Paul went the other way. Yeah, it gets some, some extra veteran leadership, but it's not like Golden State were lacking that. Were they I, really I, lacking veteran yeah, leadership? No, I, I see it differently. I see the issue with Chris Paul coming to the Warriors uh, gives Steph Curry a chance to sort of float around the court without the ball. To be able to work off screen and rolls, to be able to pick and pop without moving without the ball, which I think is important. I think that'll that's I think, the real, I think with, that's a real I reason. I think he moves with the ball just fine. Yeah, but I think not. I think being able to free up and get Chris Paul to a second unit. I I, I, I think, think this, the second I think, I think the second dramatic. unit could work. They've already got young talent in that second unit. They need, like, a, like, they need a floor. Like, they've got second unit guys. The young guys are trying to develop like Kuminga and Moody. Yeah, but they're not but guard. They're not point guard. I know. I know. Maybe that's one of the reasons. But I can't see anything other than that extra veteran leadership for those extra young guys are trying to develop. I can't see anything outside of that. Yeah. But um, because why would you make this trade otherwise? Yeah. Okay. Hey, moving on. Um, how strong are the chances? Uh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How strong are the chances that Dame Lillard stays in Portland? No chance. No chance because None. there's been a lot of talk now. I think in the conventional well, wisdom, he's, well, conventional wisdom tells us all as fans, as fans of the free agency, you want to set up your fantasy draft, you want to set up your teams, you want it done, and it's not done yet because it, they haven't reached a conclusion. I'd say right now, Damian Lillard's already requested to Portland that he wants to be traded, and he wants to be traded to the Heat. Specifically, specifically the Heat, and I guess reportedly his agent said to other teams, "Get lost. No, don't worry about it because you're wasting your time." And so now the issue is, I think it comes down to what Miami's willing to offer Portland. Well, what is that's what I think that's the sticking part well, right now. Well, you think about what Lillard's angle is here. Um, he wants to go to a contending team, obviously, and that's Miami. But and that's Miami. Uh, I just don't know. It, it, the thing, the the thing with this whole Damian Lillard Portland situation is that. For years now, he's loved playing for the organization. At even year after year, when they've wasted his talent, they've signed useless free agents to just bloated contracts. Alan Crabb says hello. Move, just he stayed with the organization as they've been feckless for years now, years, and now suddenly you want out. Now suddenly. You, you've seen the direction they've been taking. They were taking this direction last season. They were taking this direction last season. And you couldn't see that, yeah, they were gonna, that they were going to be shifting into rebuilding mode. The team, as it was constructed, heading into the start of this season, was not a contending team. Maybe a playing team if everything broke right. But, and they were almost there, but nothing broke right. So they didn't get to the play-in. So right now with the whole Dame situation... I think everyone is just exasperated because we all understand that Damian Lillard is one of the best players of the last decade, and we all want to see him win a championship. But but he has to acquiesce somewhere. It either has to. It can't just always be his way right now. It the Miami might not even want to make the trade. They might not even want to make the trade. They might not even have the cap space to get it done. It really depends on how much. How much they want? That's the question. Now, do they want? Now, the rumor has it, Tyler Hero, and then three or four first-round draft picks. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I think that's where the sticking block is. It's what Portland's wants in exchange for Damian Lillard. Now, now 
this could go on. This is going to drag on all summer. Which is, even... which is, which, well, I think it will happen. He said he wanted to go there. He hasn't officially stepped up to a podium, said he wanted to do that. But by all accounts, he wants out. He's requested for a trade. Well, Portland just wants a lot for him. And granted, that, that, why, why, rightfully so. Yeah. Why wouldn't you Miami, do everything to Miami, get Miami also do have cap space after Struess and Vincent left. Right. So you can get, you still have money to play with and but space to play I, under. If I'm, but if I'm Pat Riley, I would not be giving up Tyler Hero. After losing Vincent and Struess, you need shooting. And keeping a guy like Hero around after he was injured for your whole playoff run, that's not good basketball sense. Well, at this point, no one's better talent evaluated than Pat Riley is when it comes to getting undrafted players. Hence, Gabe Vincent. Hence, Struess, both guys, sort of guys that were floating around other teams, get picked up, become really good players, and get paid. Well, so that's how it well, works. Well, back on the Dame thing, I, like I said, he's gonna have it, this whole Miami thing could just could just fall through. It might not even work. He's gonna have to, if he really wants off this team and to go to a contending team and to go to a team where who have a legit shot at a championship, he's gonna have to acquiesce somewhere. Right. Somewhere. Alright, we'll follow. we'll see how that works right, out. Moving on. Alright, uh, next question to you. Was the training of John Collins to the Jazz a big deal? It finally happened. He's oh. been on the block for what seemed like a century. And he's finally gone. Years that we tried to dump him. Like, look, Co- Collins is a good player. I just think he's always going to be in that echelon of good, but not quite good enough. I think he's a player that could work in a specific system, but that system was built around Trey, and it wasn't going to work with him and Trey. Um, one take I did hear floating around is that Trey needs his Shaq. Trey needs a big man that can build, that could they can feed off each other's strengths. A d- dynamic big man. Who's I, that? Sorry? Who's that? I don't know. But you but you need <laughs> a, Clint Capella. Uh, but you but you have Clint, so Yeah, but Clint's not a not, not Clint's not Clint's there. not Clint's Shaq. Not Clint's no Shaq. No. But he needs a train needs a big man where they can feed off each other's strengths. And I think that's a good good assessment. That's well, a perfect well, this, assessment. This this suits the jazz because they get another body there. I mean, this was all about shedding payroll. As far as the Hawks were concerned, they were happy to be Unlatched off of his massive contract. Well, and just did they give up assets to? Well, no, they just they they traded him, and in return, I think they got second round lottery picks. Two two second round picks. Yeah, from the Jazz. So that's it. That was that was for them. That was a key of getting John Collins. You had other guys on the roster who could fill his spot. You might as well get him out in order to shed some payroll. So this was a this was more of a financial move. Now, as far as what you said there, that's new. That's news to me about Trey. Saying, you know, I want to... No, he didn't say that. It was a take I heard. Oh, take you heard. Okay, so he didn't say it himself, but yeah. I mean, I don't think that changes much for Atlanta, being Atlanta, but at least they can play with some money and make a move on a free agent. Well, I think it's it's definitely a step in the right direction for them breaking through mediocrity as they were this year. They were mediocrity incarnate this year. Moving on. Uh, Right move for NBA expansion to consider uh, Seattle and Las Vegas. Um, Yeah, I'm going to say... Yes, but in an, in a, in a in a very staged order. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be Seattle first, Vegas second. Vegas has already got the Raiders. They got the Golden Knights. They're gonna have the A's any well, minute they now. Have, they have the Aces as well. They have the Aces, and they're gonna. So I think they're gonna be. We know that's gonna happen. That's on the books for them. But I say Seattle. Uh, I think it's got to be Seattle. First. Dust off the old jerseys. Got to be Seattle. Got to bring back the old bring, green, bring the green and gold. Sun not. Let's make it very clear. 
Not the Super not the Sonics jerseys of the '96. The Super Sonics. Well, not the '96 Sonic jerseys that they're playing with, yeah. with, with against the Bulls. Not those. I'm talking about the old school arc with Sonics in in green lettering and the yellow. That classic. That's what you need. And I think Seattle should get that because they've been, you know, they were, you know, they the original franchise ran off to Oklahoma well, the Oklahoma City. The, so, you know, come on. The Seattle Sonic situation, the Seattle basketball situation is more like the Montreal baseball situation. The only way Seattle accepts the NBA coming back full-time is if the Sonics come back full-time. And yeah. I think that's what the NBA should be looking at. Yes. That's what's been rumored. But I do, normally I would be poo-pooing a... a Vegas expansion because Vegas to me is just not a great market for sports except for the Golden Knights except for the it, Golden but Knights but it's it, but it it's well, because, building to that well though. because the the Golden Knights built their own brand that's the difference the Golden Knights built their own brand the Raiders and and Athletics have just moved there. I know I know my whole argument is that now that sports betting is what it is and yeah. you're in Vegas it goes hand in hand and Vegas as a as a city itself is growing as an so ex- that's, that's, as, a, as an expansion franchise though I think it would be good for the NBA to consider Vegas they've already got the Aces over there who are the defending champions they've got the league yeah. MVP in Asia Wilson they're a well coached team they're a well balanced team I Kelsey think, Plum put up forty points yeah. the other night I they're think, a good team I think expansion will happen for both because you don't want an odd number of teams yeah so why not have two it's always been two teams for expansion I think it's Never a good one. I think it's a good move for them to consider both cities. Uh, normally it would just be Seattle for me and not Vegas, but Vegas could work for the NBA. All right, this one's for you because mm-hmm. I don't watch hockey. Is pressure already on for Connor Bedard? Of course it is. Of course it is. He's the most. He's like arguably the most hyped prospect since Sidney Crosby. Remember how hyped he was coming into the 05 draft? He was marketed so heavily by the NHL. Bedard is probably the most hyped prospect since. Sidney Crosby coming into the NHL. And, the, yeah, obviously there's a lot of pressure on him being the first overall pick. And, yeah, he's coming into a franchise like the Blackhawks who have been just riddled with scandal and disrepute for the past two seasons. For the past two, two and a half seasons. Mm. They've been riddled with it. So he's coming into a historic franchise with a lot of history behind them, with a lot of superstars behind them to be that next guy. Yeah. There's a whole lot of pressure of on course, him. Of course, of course. And look, here's another. You're, you're, you know, he's, you know, reportedly a wonderkind. You know, he's like the next best thing. Um, you know, the the. You know, I I suppose it'll be a situation where you know he hits the ground running. I don't. I don't. You know, ticket sales. I'm sure have gone through the roof. That helps out the branding. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks. Yeah, as you said, they were a team that you know won won three Stanley Cups with Taze and Patrick Kane, Kane and you know Keith. Keith and all those guys. And you know you're going to have a rebuild, and they're in rebuild now. But you might as well get the number one draft and you, pick and to I help things out. For the, the Blackhawks, also they they needed it for PR. They're, oh, yeah, they they're, well, that's they're, what, well, that's what the ticket sales yes. are about. PR, their organization. We know about the whole Kyle Beach situation. We went over that. Um, Two and a half, uh, like a year and a half ago. I don't need to go into it any further. Yeah, um, we know about that, and uh, their their franchise has been riddled with a whole lot of bad PR with how that situation has come out. They need a guy who's going to re-energize this dead franchise, and he is going to be the one, hopefully, for them. 
Hopefully and, he doesn't turn into another Patrick Stefan. Yes. Moving on. Uh, is What to take from the Steve Cohen press conference? I'm glad you asked. So, uh, Steve Cohen had a press conference about a couple weeks ago to talk about the Mets in their situation. And I thought I'd play a little sound clip. Just a little sound clip. He's stopping me from playing it. Steve, just to start off, in general, what are your thoughts on where the team is currently? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's been incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, uh, listen, I, I watch every game. I see what's going on. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, if you ask me, you know, would I have expected us to be in this position at the beginning of the season, the answer is no. But here we are. I'm, look. Well, here we are. What, what do you take from that, then? Well, I, I, look, I like, and there's no video to this, but just imagine, you know, Steve Cohen sitting at a table, very casual, wearing a Met hat, approaching the press, not with a three-piece suit, not with a podium, not slamming his fist on the ground. Like a cardigan. I'm saying, no, he was wearing just a shirt. He was just, okay. I didn't care what he's wearing, but he was very laid back. And his responses were what I expected them to be. You don't want to be firing off saying this team sucks and let's fire the manager. That's what New Yorkers expect from the old school. Steinbrenner. From Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, late George Steinbrenner was no joke when it came to getting rid of managers and, and getting rid of players. Snap of fingers. Yeah. So I get that and I understand what he's saying. I just think right now at the at the All-Star break, the Mets are at 42 and 48. Yeah. And it's not looking good. Yeah. And I, I don't. They have to leapfrog four teams to get to the wild card. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if it is either. You know, but though, I am glad that Cohen is addressing the fans. I'm glad that he is an owner that is not going to cut corners or uh, pass off blame like the coupons did. Like, a whole lot of Mets fans online are acting like this is, like, this is the nadir you y'all did not experience the. Did, do y'all have an amnesia about the last owners? That was that you've experienced more of it than me. Can you just describe what that was? Well, Seeing was just, Willie Randolph fired at three eleven in the morning. Just the the um the Ponzi stuff with uh with Bernie Madoff. The just the absolute nadir of the franchise. So the list goes on and on with that. But I suppose I agree with you to say that. I believe the Mets will not be sellers because there's nothing to sell. No. They don't have anything worth selling. But <laughs> they will be buyers because Steve Cohen has money. Yeah. And so if you start to look at the teams right now who are in last place, the A's, yeah. the Royals, the White Sox, those teams are going to start to make deals. And White the, Sox are definitely going to make deals. And the Mets, I don't. The A's have nothing to offer anybody. Right, but the Mets need things to break their way. They mm-hmm. need one of the wildcard teams or two or three or all of them to have meltdowns. And they need to get pitching consistency out of Verlander and Scherzer. Scherzer got shelled the other day, not getting it from him. They need another pitcher on that rotation. And they need probably another bat. So there's a few things that they can do, but I'm not sure if it's enough. They have to win pretty much 90 games. And you're asking the Mets to win the next 42 now, 48 games. They win 48 games. I don't know. I don't know if if it's possible either, but, you know, I'm just happy that there's an owner who's willing Who's willing? More than least. willing, and that's his He's money. More than willing. That's his money down the toilet. He's watched his money I'm, go. I'm, I'm just glad that that that's the that's the key here. I'm glad that 
Look, I've, I said this at the end of the 2021 season. Remember how tough that season was. There were so much expectations, and it didn't happen. Yeah. I said this at the end. Um, and I also said it at the end of the 2022 uh, playoff run, uh, if you can even call it a run. I said, look, it wasn't. it's... It was yes, it, Look, it sucks, but at least we have competent ownership who will always give us a seat at the table. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just glad that's a thing, because... Like, you think about 2019 when they came up so short. Not even so short. They were so far out of the wild card. It wasn't even funny. Their June and July hampered them. Yep. And there wasn't even a chance with silly ownership and Brody Van Wagenen pulling off stupid crap Brody. Um, um, all the time. Okay. Um, so I'm just thankful that there's an ownership group that cares. All right. Next question. Yeah, moving uh, on. To you. Uh, should the Mets retire the numbers worn by Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry? Of course they could. Of course they should. Of course they should. Of course they should. What do you? There's nothing to even talk about. Yes, drugs. Of course. Yeah, but I don't think. But I, who I, cares? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm. I agree. I feel as though, but I don't know what the holdup is. I just feel like it's taken so long for that to happen, and it should happen immediately because these guys, the contribution they made to that team to get to the World Series. To be successful during that period is is a, you can't even count it because and really the think about it is those guys left and did what made the other team across the street better yeah. so you know I feel like that has to happen I feel like both those guys numbers should be retired because for I don't understand what the holdup is about that I don't understand why that hasn't happened sooner of course they should retire those numbers. it's not about the personal issues. We know, we know the level. It's, we know the level to both those guys could have been they will, without that. They're going to be in the rafters. It's just a matter of time. They will be in the rafters for sure. There's no way they're not. There's no way they're not. It's the same thing as the, the Kevin Garnett situation. Uh, he will be in the rafters along, um, and so will Strawberry and Gooden. They will, they will all be in the rafters. Who gets in first, Garnett or Strawberry and Gooden? I think Strawberry and Gooden get in. and then Separately one, or together? Uh, probably together. Because that was a duo. Yeah. And then um, once the ownership of the Timberwolves fully transitions over to A-Rod and Co., I think uh, Garnett will get in immediately. All right. Will get uh, raised All right, that immediately. that was a short one. Okay. Yeah, moving on. Next question for you is, how good is Ellie De La Cruz? Oh, my God. The Reds, we were talking about them at the end of last season as a 100-win uh, loss, loss. 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 Disaster. Disaster. Great American ballpark. You'd you, you'd mistake it for a Great American graveyard. That was it. Was that dead? No one was going to the games. Phil Castellini saying stupid crap all the time, saying, well, "Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna go?" Just it was just a, probably the worst season they've seen in a long time in Cincinnati. And now they finally had prospects coming through. Spencer Steer, uh, Nick Lodolo's come up. They've got guys, Andrew Abbott, they've got guys finally coming up, but the main one was obviously Ellie De La Cruz, and my goodness, I expected him to be good off the bat, uh, no pun intended, but I don't think anyone has seen this coming. A cycle in the first month of his career in the bigs, that is unheard of. He he really, we talk about five-tool players, this dude is five-tool, everywhere. There is not one weakness to this guy's game. Mm. Not one. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I think the key is that he wasn't. The interesting thing was that he wasn't put on the All Star team. I'm surprised. By well, that. he's just come up. Yeah, he, but I'm, I'm well, surprised. Well, I'm, there's probably some kind of stipulation where a player needs to have some amount of service bets, time or at bats, I guess. I don't you know, know. Or service yeah. time or at bats or to be able to make the All Star. Yeah, team. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I agree. I think it's one of those situations that. Cincinnati can look and go, wow, we got something special on our hands. Because when you get somebody up from the bigs, from the farm to the bigs, and, and performing that at that level, um, that pretty much now you have a, a found, now you have a foundation. Yeah, now you have you a foundation. They're they're I, I swear they're leading the NL Central comedy right now. Yeah, right now they're leading the NL Central. Yeah. <laughs> that's that just shows you how bad the Central in both the AL and NL is. Yeah, um, but. I, I mean, if they make the playoffs, that's a plus. Not that's a plus, not a minus. No, not at all. So now you have time. a now you have a legit foundation to build off of. Now build off of it because the Reds have been known for not spending money. The they just don't spend money. Look, they they blew up basically the core uh, after twenty twenty one. Yeah, which led to the twenty twenty two season being a disaster. Mm-hmm. So they need to invest in this team. Uh, hey, maybe there's hope. The Pirates actually paid Brian Reynolds a nine-figure contract, the first in team history, mind oh, you. Wow. Not even Bonds got that type of contract when, at all in his career. Okay. Moving on. Word up time. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, it's blank for Brandon Miller to believe that the Hornets could reach next year's NBA Finals. Oh, uh, blasphemy. Blasphemy to think that they could reach the Finals. Brandon. I know you want to resonate with the fan base, but even the fan base doesn't think they're making the finals next year, man. Come on, man. Come on. With this roster, with the teams above them, no. Come on. Yeah, it's my word. It's, it's two words. Fairy tale like. Um, I think that you can't. I can't doubt Brandon Miller for his confidence. He's confident that you know the Charlotte Hornets did the right deal and it, look, they did the right thing because there was talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Really ruining this, but they drafted him. You know, reportedly one of the best, you know, pure shooters, uh, probably since even Glenn Rice, the old iteration of the Charlotte Hornets. But you know, absolutely fanciful talk because you know Charlotte. I don't know about their fan base. I don't. I've never seen one, uh, one of their fans. And you know, that's not going to happen. Charlotte stinks. Win. Hey, how about this? Win a play-in first. (laughs) Win a play-in, then you can talk about finals. Because they've never... The two times they've been to play-in last couple of years, they've stunk. And they've fired the last... Since, since they've ba- been back in Charlotte as I, either Bob the Bobcats or the Hornets, Ooh. they've stunk. They haven't made it past the, They haven't made it past the first round of the playoffs at all. They've been getting there. They've, they haven't reached <laughs> there. We talk about getting past the no, first they, round. No, they, they've when reached... They, they reached there in, I believe, like... As the, the Bobcats? Mid-2010s, the mid-2010s. Oh, God. Like, 2016, I distinctly remember they played a playoff series oh, against... Oh, horrible team. Uh, against the um against the Heat, Wade's Heat, Adam and then Ooh, oh geez, no, he was but um yeah, it's it's extremely wishful thinking. Okay, next one, a mercy rule for baseball could be blank. Fantastic, I don't want to see a thirty-five to three game. I don't want to see it. I, who wants to see that? Really? Oh, baseball purists saying, oh, I like I like when position players go out to save the bullpen. I like when when. When the score gets run up and everyone sat there for four hours. Yeah. No one wants no. to see that. No. Nobody. Have a mercy rule. Make it like make it like 20 runs. Make it 20 yeah. runs or 15 yeah. runs. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I think innovative because 
it's sort of determined the teams that's get the team that's getting destroyed could determine. I would even think it'd be like playing Wii baseball when I beat you all the time. Oh god, the mercy rule, right? They'd say mercy. The game stops, so you could literally be the team like recently, a couple few weeks back, the Rockies, right? Oh god, who got destroyed? They could have a white flag being thrown onto the field as if to say, "That's it, we're done here. Let's go home." So I don't. I think it's a great idea because why would you going to do that? You're going to waste resources but, to continue the see, pitch. Why bother? The baseball purists love to harp on. Oh, the integrity of the game. But this is that's not integrity, seeing a team get beat up of like that. Of course not. That's and not you know integrity. What? It can happen because we know. We have a pitch clock now. We're moving faster. The Look, game's just the order. Let's clock, go. The pitch clock this year has been eh, up and down but with it's how something it's been that's implemented. Been introduced. It's sped up games. But what's wrong with introducing that? Yeah. What's wrong with introducing a pitch clock or a or a mercy rule? Mercy both, rule. both of those aren't... Ugh, Aren't really artificial ways to speed up the game? Well, yeah. kind of, okay. kind of, but they're they're good ways to speed up the game. And if MLB wants to market themselves better to a casual audience, which they've never been able to do, yeah. that's the way to do it. Okay, it's mo- it's most likely blank for the Angels to trade Shohei. Sir, your, your boy, your it's boy's certain. still there, Artie. It's, it's certain, your boy Artie. It's certain. Okay, why would why would they hold on to him? Why would they play out the year? Trout is injured. That's it. That's it. All the moves they made in free agency, I actually did like the moves they were making. But once again, the problem was depth and prospect development, which they haven't gotten. They tried to fix up their depth in free agency. They tried. Got Brandon Drury, Hunter Renfro. Uh, They got pitching depth. They tried, but it just hasn't been enough. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a haul for Shohei. You will. But from yeah. somebody, yeah. you cannot play out the year with him. Okay, they so, are falling and falling fast. So I'll say it's most likely inevitable. So I agree with you. I I I don't see the Angels staying to the end of the season with this. And the three words that most Angel fans are used to hearing, Mike Trout injured, is yet another certainty. The man can't stay on the field. But beside the point, I I it wouldn't surprise me. But again, reports is that he wants to be on the West Coast. So yeah. then you have. You've, you've rubbed out a couple teams, right? Yeah. So you, the Dodgers are the Dodgers going to be players? Are the Giants going to be players? Are the Padres? They don't. They can't afford. Well, I think so it, who's going to be well, doing uh, that? It makes sense for Shohei to want to stay on the West Coast because Pacific Ocean. Oh, yeah, he's close. Yeah. He's relatively, he to be, but he wants to play in the West Coast. He's relatively closer to home, right? Uh, but I, it just does not make any sense for the Angels to uh, to hold on to him. But knowing this franchise, they hold they on to him. They probably will. Anyway. They probably yes. will. Artie will do it. Knowing them, they hold on to him. Right. Because this franchise <laughs> is forfeit. Okay, Moving we're coming on. to the end. Uh, we got to add it around this time. 29 years ago, the Knicks lost Game 7 to the Rockets. Oh. Yep, yeah, 1994. We, we should have been talking about... The, <laughs> we we should have We should have been talking about... The John Starks game as Game Five. That was no Game Six. No, that was Game Seven. Was John Starks game? game, He was shot dreadful. He was Game Six. John Starks. That should have been the game we were talking about. No, no. Game Seven was John Starks' bad game. I know, but the the game we should be talking about is John Starks Game Six. Yes, incredible. Yeah, not incredible. Almost had the title winning shot had Hakeem not gotten a fingertip to it. But Game Seven became the John Starks game in a Charles Smith kind of way. In a, in a Charles Smith kind of way. Yes. In a shooting line, he went he went over Three, over, 13. over thirteen over from 13. the field. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I, I watched it. I saw it. Okay. Happy birthday, belated to Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. 
the captain. Mr. November. Mr. November, Mr. No Longer a Model. Of course, that didn't work out so well. Uh, but um, has joined the MLB broadcast and was recently given a present by Poppy. A Red mm-hmm. Sox jersey, which he, which he <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Proceeded to throw away. I did so, see that. That was funny. That. that was funny. Happy birthday to Rod Strickland from the Boogie Down Bronx, fifty-seven years old. Rod, of course, played the DePaul, went to the Knicks, was drafted by the Knicks at seven, was phenomenal. Played for a couple seasons, but played for about seventeen seasons between the Knicks, the Bullets, the Spurs. He was a really good point guard. He was was he on the Blazers at one point? On the Blazers as yeah. well. So Rod Strickland, happy happy belated birthday and congratulations! I don't want to say it because I'm going to throw up. Domingo Herman recently threw a perfect uh, game. Yeah. Well, well, that perfect game. Look, re- regardless of what you think about Domingo Herman, yes, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about that. Stuff. Yes, it's he's, the fact that he's, he's he's a horrible person. Oh, whatever. But that's that perfect game is going to be etched in history. It's the twenty. It's I believe it's the twenty fifth ever. Yep. In history. Yep. And congratulations to Francisco Lindor, 200 home runs. He recently hit two more runs. Hey, ten tour stop in Major League Baseball history. Position. The 10th shortstop to do this. Wow. So that's good. All yeah. right. A lot of Mets fans like to crap on Lindor. No. He he's plays a, every day. He's a great player. Look, he's not hitting for average right now. I get it. He's, he signed to a massive contract that nobody wants. Bingo. But he plays every day. A, he plays every he day. He shows up and plays. He's He's... Like he's a de facto captain. He's a leader. He, he plays, plays every he day. Play, he plays hard. He plays very well for the team. There you go. Moving on. All right, that's it. That's there's it. nothing to move on there's to. No, there's nothing. We're else done. To talk about dust is settled. If you're coming from any other platform, welcome. welcome. We do this thing once a week. Back to the once a week. Next week, more MLB stuff. The trade deadline is coming up very, very soon. Summer League, NBA? No, nah, boring. League. Yeah, summer boring. League. Completely summer league. boring. Summer, summer League is boring. <sighs> Snooze fest. Who cares? Uh, we're going to also be looking at uh, NBA free agency coming up very, very, very soon. Yep, NFL training camp. Well, start it's actually soon. happening right now. It NBA is starting. Free agency. It is starting. But, but, we'll get uh, clarification Harden, on, on Harden. No, still not there. He's not going NHL anywhere. free agency as well. We're waiting on to see what news about... Will Eric Carlson get traded? That's the big piece out there. He's wanted to go to a contending team. But we'll be here to cover it all. See you next week. Ciao.